This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thanks for being here today. Hope you're having a great summer. We are back with brand new episodes this week after a two-week break. We played some rerun episodes, though, the last two weeks. If you haven't listened to the conversation with Wendy Snyder on sibling rivalry or the conversation with Jenny Urick of 1,000 Hours Outside, definitely go check those out. Uh, today, though, I'm excited to share this conversation with my guest, Monica Swanson, who is the mom of four boys, and she lives in Hawaii, which I think is pretty cool. She is the author of the book, Boy Mom, and also the book, Raising Amazing. In this conversation, we talk a lot about character and what it means to raise our kids in a way that they learn about what is character and how to have good character. We talk about how she's raised her kids to love God, like their family, and do the dishes without asking. So her oldest is 23 and her youngest is 12. And you all know these are my favorite kinds of conversations when I get to talk to people who are ahead of me in this and I can just really ask all the questions that we all wanna know. Uh, She's got some great book recommendations in this episode as well. And my hope is that she's just gonna become my new mentor. That's what I really want, okay? Um, All right, friends. If you are loving this show, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. You can support the podcast when you go to patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. And I hope that you really enjoy this conversation with Monica Swanson. All right. Well, today on Why Is Everyone Yelling? We have Monica Swanson on the show. Welcome to the show, Monica. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Okay, listen, I knew when we got on this call, I was going to get off and I was going to go pester my husband and be like, why don't we live in Hawaii? (laughs) Yeah. Is it it amazing? (laughs) It really is pretty great. I can't lie. 22 (laughs) years after moving here, I still am pretty in awe what a special place it is. I can't lie. Can you just tell us like what landed you there? Yes. So my husband and I are both from the Pacific Northwest and I do love seasons. And if you live where you have seasons, Mm. you are blessed. And there's a lot of good everywhere, right? There is. But um, my husband went to medical school in Portland, Oregon, and then he had to choose where he wanted to do residency. And we traveled kind of all around the country doing interviews and looking at different places. And he uh, he was a windsurfer back in Oregon and loved windsurfing. And when he checked out Hawaii as an option for residency. He was like, this is a no-brainer. So Mm. he put Hawaii as his top choice for residency, and we got it. And I thought, oh, yay, three years. It'll be like a vacation. But by Uh the time he was finished, he's like, why would we ever leave? I was offered a job at a hospital. Let's stay, raise our kids here. And I had mixed feelings because I was like, my family is in Washington State. We're from Oregon. but it's turned out to be pretty great. I can't, I can't um, lie. He was right, and I'm glad we're here. Mm. And you live on a farm. Tell me a little bit more about that. Like, are you, are you yeah. growing a lot of your food? <laughs> yeah, kind of, sort of. It's taken me a while to be able to say that. But yes, we're on two acres, which you know isn't huge, but for Hawaii, it's it's pretty big. Um, we're kind of up in the country on the North Shore, so we we live in the area that's really known for surfing. We live right above what's called the Seven Mile Miracle, and it's seven miles of just surf beach after surf beach. So Mm. in the winter, fall and winter, all the pros come to town, and there's electricity in the air because it's when all the big contests happen and all that. So it's really fun, but we live up on a hill that kind of overlooks all that, and we have two acres, and it is mostly tropical fruit. I would love to grow a veggie garden. It's a little more complicated in Hawaii with veggies, Mm. but... um, we have apple bananas, which are wonderful, uh, tons. We've got mangoes, and we have papaya, and we have dragon fruit, and we, I mean, avocado, citrus, 
we have a lot and it kind of comes and goes. It's not like every day we have a harvest, but there's always something growing that we can play with and eat and give away. So it's really fun. A hobby farm. I love that. Okay. So when you walk out your door, can you just like walk to the beach? Um, we could. We're exactly two miles to the beach. Okay. Um, but, but we are up a big hill and it's kind of this okay. windy hill. So, you know, when people are desperate, they walk, but we typically uh-huh. do drive. And if you go straight down our hill, then you're at, <clears throat> excuse me, Waimea Bay, which uh, a lot of people have heard of. It's just beautiful. Um, Waimea Valley and Waimea Bay are a really special place here on the North Shore of Oahu. And then again, we've got all the beaches down. So yeah, we're more country zoned, you know, down by the beach properties are really teeny tiny and they're all packed together. You go up yes. the hill. Our community is called Pupukea and it's just kind of known as country where everyone has at least an acre up here on the hill. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. So if I'll, I'll move on from Hawaii, but I'm always just fascinated <laughs> You're welcome when people to visit, live somewhere yes. like this. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask that question though. Like <laughs> when people are like, I want to come visit. Yeah. Like I know that there's like, you know, the tourist places to go, but like, yeah. do you have a place you recommend people go? Oh, this is tricky. So for anyone listening that has always dreamt of coming to Hawaii. Our laws have actually changed in the past couple of years and things have gotten really frustratingly difficult. They have made a new law on our island that has shut down almost all vacation rentals. Um, The hotel lobbyists are behind this and they want everybody to come here and have to stay in a hotel, which is not Mm. ideal for most families. And on our yeah, North Shore, we only have one hotel, and I am a big fan. I love it, but it is ridiculously expensive. It's called Turtle uh. Bay. If you can stay at Turtle Bay, please do. You'll love it. <laughs> but I can't afford it even at the local rates. So um, so sadly, vacation rentals have been mostly banned. There are a few that were kind of grandfathered in from back when they were maybe just starting and had the right legal um, coding and all that. But as of now... All my friends who have short-term vacation rentals, it, they're considered illegal. And if you get caught renting it, it's like a $10,000 fine. So well, and if that's you like come, a big income source for huge. some people. That's hard. A lot hard. of people have had to leave the island because they just can't afford it anymore. Oh. So most people end up staying in Waikiki, which is, you know, kind of crazy tourist zone. Tourist zone. Um, and then we're about an hour drive from Waikiki. So you can drive okay. up to the North Shore, spend the day and then drive back, which has now made our traffic ridiculous too. So it's tough. Uh, Um, I love to, you know, we, we have friends who come and stay with us. We have some space, but, um, but I wish that I could come up with a way to make it easier. (laughs) There's just nothing. Oh yeah. I mean, honestly, like some people have like created their business, a business model out of these rentals. I have friends who have a number of rental little properties on, you know, on their own property and they had to shut them down or turn them to long-term rental, which is an option, but not nearly as profitable. Yeah. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. We used to have an Airbnb, um, in the back of our house when we lived in Indianapolis, like we had a little carriage house over our garage that was like, it wasn't even attached to our house. So it was nice because it wasn't like people were staying in our house. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't believe, Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? The revenue Mm -hmm. year after year in Indianapolis and not even in like a place that was like super walkable. Like, um, so I'm thinking, yeah, in other cities and especially Mm -hmm. somewhere like Hawaii, I can't imagine what kind of revenue it brings in. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And I understand that probably it was getting a little carried away. There were some neighborhoods where people were really frustrated because there were people coming and going. But my vote would be, let's get a little more control over this and not shut them down completely. There you go. That's my yep. rent for the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do want to come to Hawaii sometime. I've looked up plane tickets several times and coming in from the East Coast is just a little more complicated than if it we is. lived it's not on the West Coast. It's not an easy trip. Yes. I'm thankful no. my, my older boys live on the West Coast because it's a, it's a uh-huh. five hour flight. That's so doable. But when I traveled yeah. to the East Coast, not only is it hard, but the time zone difference is uh-huh. nuts. So. Uh-huh. Right. It's eight where you are right now and it's two uh-huh. where I am. Yes. Okay, well, one of the, the, the big thing I want to talk to you about is, is raising these four boys. And, <laughs> oh, it's just seeing your healthy, happy relationships with your boys makes me so, it, you know, I don't, I hate wishing away time and I, mm-hmm. I'm not doing it. 
I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like in a sweet spot too. Like yeah. we're right. Like my yes, youngest is almost five. My oldest is 10. Oh. It's like such a special time. So good. Um, but one of the things I've oftentimes considered is like, oh my gosh, I have all, all boys. Are they going to grow up and like not, you know, talk to me very much uh-huh. and like do their own thing. Yeah. Um, and right before we hopped on, you were talking about how much you you do communicate with your boys and that <laughs> gave me hope. Yes. Um, but one more thing I wanted to say is I, I found you years ago when you were on Jamie Ivey's podcast and I had two boys. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I was pregnant with my third yet, but if mm-hmm. I was pregnant with him, I didn't know he was a boy mm-hmm. um, at that point. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, she has four boys, <laughs> lives in Hawaii. And you know, you uh, don't, you don't know what you don't know that I was going to exactly. be following in your footsteps. Right. Sometimes I almost feel like like I cause it (laughs) like so many people around me that hang out with me or babysat for me and all of a sudden they have boy after boy after boy and I'm like (laughs) I feel like it's contagious or something but (laughs) yeah I um, I mean I wouldn't have it any other way but right I I would love to talk to you about okay first of all your your most recent book Raising Amazing um how to teach your kids to love God like their family and do the dishes without asking. Okay, I want all those things. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, where'd the tagline subtitle. come from? Oh, it took some work. I, I really, to be honest, struggled with this title a lot. Uh, I thought of it when I initially pitched the book to Zondervan. And then as soon as they said they loved it and wanted to move forward, I backpedaled and was like, oh, I don't know, this title, people are going to misunderstand. They're going to think I'm saying my kids are amazing or they're going to just uh. misunderstand the whole amazing thing. So then we started, they were like, yeah, but we really like it and we think it's fine. And so I felt like, okay, I'm stuck with it. Let's play with a fun subtitle. And so my first book, Boy Mom, came out in 2019. And so I really have been just listening to people who have read that uh, since I started my podcast, which was the Boy Mom podcast, Mm -hmm. just really listening. And and I found there were three areas that people consistently came back to me for. And the three areas where people wanted to know how I raised kids who had their own faith, um, who really embraced a relationship with God, um, even into their independence. character, which I talk a lot about. I have an online character training course, and so people want to hear about character. And then um, family connections. Uh, people see mm-hmm. online that my boys like love each other. <laughs> They're best friends. Yeah. They say sweet things publicly about one another, and people are like, how in the world did you make that happen? So I was like, okay, three three areas we're going to focus on in Raising Amazing, and also we're going to make it not just for boy moms, but mm-hmm. um, for parents, moms and dads raising boys and girls. So that's how it all came together. Okay. I want, yeah, I want all those things (laughs) and I need you to help me. (laughs) I'm here for you. Um, Can we, I know this is a little bit backwards, but can Mm -hmm. we, can we start with the liking each other part? Because man, my boys fight and I know that siblings fight. Yes. It is so frustrating. It is. I try to remind myself that I fought with my sisters mm-hmm. all the time when we were kids. Mm-hmm. And my sisters and I still got on each other's nerves sometimes as adults. Yes. yes. But we love each other. Yes. Um, did your boys fight? <laughs> they did. They did. And they still do too. They okay. still get on each other's nerves. I mean, I mean, I think the the healthy balance is knowing the difference between brothers or siblings who fight and get on each other's nerves. But the, the commitment level is still there that we are like first and foremost for one another. We love each other. They're human. And when they were young, I probably would have never believed what I have now. Like they definitely oh. fought. So yes, there is hope. Uh, and I think that sometimes you just have to trust the process when they're little. You're not going to see it yet. It's okay. okay. If they were getting along perfectly, I'd almost worry. Like, there's a healthy, healthy thing there that happens when yeah. they fight because they're learning conflict resolution skills. They're learning how to navigate difficult things. Like, that's all good and normal. It's just hard on us as parents. It is hard. I'm. I never know if I'm saying the right things either. Yeah. I'm. You know, I use the whole like, "Hey, we're a team. We're all in this together." Yeah. And I try to say like hey, this will be easier and happier for all of us if we mm-hmm. get along and we're nice to each other. Yeah. They don't hear that, no, though. No, they like, don't. <laughs> especially my older two, man. Maybe it's the age that they yes, are. Yes, it is. It's it so frustrating. So it is. I guess 
what's the communication some, strategy? Yeah, I was going to say, you want some tips for that. So the oldest two are how old? Yes. Remind me. Um, eight and 10. Eight and 10, totally. Um, I mean, I'm going to say, as we're talking, it's summertime. So best strategies yeah. for like, usually when kids are starting to bicker and fight, they just need something to do. So you need to mm. boot them out the door give them a project, give them a job, uh, make them team up to do something hard. Like uh, the choice has to be if you want to fight, I, I don't want to have to hear it. So find somewhere else mm. to do it. Get them out of your yeah. – because as long as they're safe, go ahead and fight. Yeah. Just do it outside. All of a sudden, the novelty isn't there. They're not going to want to fight. Yeah. They, they get something out of – mom having to come in and break it up and so I say go ahead and fight just go in the next room I don't want to hear it and all of a sudden they're like it's over <laughs> it's no fun anymore so that's one yeah. thing um you're saying all the right things reminding them that they're a team I think I probably put a bit of pressure on my oldest son which some would say you shouldn't do but I think is mm. he actually to this day will say he thinks it was a good thing but I say Buddy, you are the the oldest. You're the one who's setting the tone. Your brothers are going to follow what you do. You need to lay down your life and be a good brother and be kind and show them what it looks like. So yeah, I think that that you can um, you can say all the right things, and then sometimes you also just have to be patient and creative and give them time to work it out. Okay, new sponsor that I am super excited about. Cozy Earth. Have you all tried Cozy Earth? They craft luxury goods that transform your lifestyle. They've been featured on Oprah's favorite things for five years in a row. Oprah! She is my interview idol. I will tell you that. I always listen to Oprah um, before any live shows. That's just like what I do. Anyway, so if Oprah recommends it, it's got to be good, right? Um, all their products are made responsibly sourced from bamboo. They come with a 10-year warranty. 10 years. Wow, that's amazing. And Cozy Earth Bedding, here's my favorite part, is temperature regulating and is available in viscose from bamboo and in linen. Their loungewear, which is the softest, most comfortable, offer, offers optimal comfort while maintaining a flattering, elegant fit. Okay, you're not going to find a more comfortable way to lounge in your house and get into your sheets. Pair this with that Lagoon pillow I'm always talking about and you're going to have the best sleep of your life. And here's the thing, Cozy Earth provided an exclusive offer for my listeners today, up to 35% off site-wide when you use the code LINDSAY35. That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-3-5. All right, friends, back to the show. That's interesting point you bring up with your oldest son, because I feel like I've been seeing this a lot lately of people talking about like, you shouldn't put too many expectations on your bigger kids because they shouldn't be responsible for your littler kids. And to that, I'm always like, okay, yes, to an extent. Mm -hmm. However, mm -hmm. when you have more than really two kids, mm -hmm. there's, I mean, you just can't do yeah. everything yourself. Yeah. And yeah. So if little brother needs help with this, I mean, it's just like, okay, it's the mm -hmm. birth order. That's just like, it is, it's just how it is. And yes, do we need to make excuses for everything or like, no, you know, no. make sure we're doing everything just, just perfectly. No. And in a sense, it's really a blessing for them. I mean, my oldest son has grown up incredibly responsible, very thoughtful. I mean, he could raise a family right now. By the time he graduated high school, I feel like he was a better parent than I am. And he has, <laughs> he's taken my youngest on a road trip together and they, oh. he's, you know, they, he can handle anything. And I feel like that was a gift. Like he got a lot out of mm. that. Of course, there's that fine line between like, you yeah. want to keep it healthy and reasonable, but I think they can take on a lot and I think it's really good for them. Yeah. I mean, totally. I, I saw one of your posts where you were like, your youngest is, has a different set of parents than your oldest did <laughs> yeah. because yeah. you have a pretty big age gap between yes. three and four, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yes. We did the first three right in a row and then six and a half years later had number Oh, wow. Four. That is so, yeah. Well, really different. I yeah. mean- I even think that though with my oldest and youngest and it's a six year age gap from one to four. I mean, yeah. we were all boom, 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 boom. Mm -hmm. Um, just, and I think about even when my oldest was 
my youngest age now, which is yeah. almost five, I'm like, I was <laughs> treating totally. him like he was so much older than he was. Oh, yeah. Uh huh. Because he was six yeah. and he had three younger siblings. It's so true. It's kind of heartbreaking, isn't it? Because you're like, oh, like my 13 year old, we're still like snuggling and all that. And I'm like, yeah. when my oldest was 13, I was like, can you get us dinner? Like, yeah. you were not on the couch snuggling. I had all these younger ones. It's kind of like, oh, I <laughs> I didn't realize how I mean, young he was. It like, I know it sometimes, I mean, he is fine, but sometimes it breaks my heart. And sometimes yes. I think about some of the issues we're having now. I'm like, oh, I wonder how much <laughs> of this relates to that. And, yes, you of know, course. yes, they have to have something to talk to the therapist about one day. So <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. OK, um, let's talk. Let, we're going to go through all three of the, the talking yeah, yeah. points there in the book. So we'll go to we'll go to the dishes next. OK, a little less deep. <laughs> Um, I have a really hard time getting my kids to mm-hmm. do house chores and yeah. that is not on them. That is on me not making mm-hmm. it a priority. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do I do? <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was there and I think that I'm not the mom that's like super organized, has the systems, mm-hmm. has the, and so I had tried to do different chore systems for years. And I was constantly frustrated because I felt like, yeah, I felt like I knew it was my problem. It's like, it's not that they can't do it. It's that I just don't have a good system. So at some point I kind of combined a few and came up with a system that we've stuck with forever since, super simple. But um, I think part of it was me just really sticking with it and being on top mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, as my life got busier, and I'm sure your life is very busy, it just became a necessity. Like, I just can't do all this. And so if we want an organized, tidy home, I need you guys to help. And I think the more it became a teamwork thing, like everyone, it became this positive peer pressure. Like, dude, if you're not doing your dishes, I can't do my part. Or if, you know, the garbage is overflowing. So they kind of grew into this, like, holding each other accountable. But I think initially it just takes us setting up a system the simpler the better and staying on top of it and having consequences in place if they don't do what they're supposed to do they should not get to slack on their chores and then go out and do whatever's fun and Mm -hmm. waiting for them they need to know that no work no play so again Mm -hmm. that's on us but I think whatever it is the simpler the better stay on it and and if you can be consistent you know I mean like any habit be consistent for a month things will start to happen more naturally. So I don't know, but it's worth it. <laughs> Why is it so hard to be consistent? <sighs> right. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Cause that's why I failed mm-hmm. because yeah. I was like, be gung ho. Like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to oh, yeah. start doing this and make it happen. Mm-hmm. They don't see it. They it's don't so see true. me enforcing it for, you know, oh, yeah. it's and like, if they can get by with it, then why not? They'll keep trying. Like, ooh, yesterday she didn't notice. Yeah. Maybe today. And they like risk our fury. Like she could get mad, but she also might not notice. So I think it's personality. I think there's like, like I said in that post you saw, every child has a different parent. I mean, really, I'm more <laughs> relaxed now than I was with my first. My first, I was mm-hmm. so uptight. And now I'm so much more relaxed. Well, is that good or bad? It's both. But it takes me knowing it really does matter. I want the son to grow up with discipline and being able to clean mm-hmm. a toilet and know. So it's worth it. And I have to believe it's worth it to make it a priority. So I think it just comes down to us and our priorities. And yeah, it's not. Yeah, easy. I noticed the same thing with um, even just like video games. Like mm-hmm. if I give them the boundary of, I'm setting the timer for 30 minutes, which I'm not yes. very good at. But yes. the past few days, I've actually done that. Good. They almost like appreciate that time. 100%. So much more. They do. And yes, I think so. And I think they respect us more. I think when we have boundaries yeah. and we stick with them, they actually respect us. They Kids, and I say this in both of my books, kids want boundaries. You may not think it. If you're in the middle of parenting, you'd be like, yeah, you mm-hmm. don't know my kid. But they really do. They they crave uh-huh. knowing what is okay and what is not okay. They uh-huh. need somebody in their life because this world and this culture tells them there is no boundaries. Anything is okay. Mm-hmm. They need parents to say, actually, no, this is where your time ends. This is what's going to happen. If it doesn't, they grow to respect us. And my sons have told me they've watched friends 
whose parents have tried to be their friend, who don't set Mm -hmm. boundaries. And those kids grow up with no respect for their parents. The parents probably are hoping it's going to build this great best friendship. And instead, the kids like really resent their parents. They have no respect and it does not grow them closer. It just makes the kids think that the parents are just, yeah, not, not worthy of their respect. So do it now. It'll pay off later. So tell everybody how old your boys are. Yes, 23, 21, 19, and just turned 13. Oh, that six-year gap is serving you well, though, because now you have like, you <sighs> oh know, you goodness. could you could be a totally empty nester. I am so stoked. I, most of my friends are empty nesters, and I'm like, ha ha, I still got one. <laughs> I like, still got makes one. me feel so young, even though I'm not. Uh-huh. So yeah, I love it. How old were you when you had him? It was just before I turned 40. So okay, all right. I was nursing him at the dinner table on my 40th birthday thinking, okay, kind of not what I expected. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Was he a surprise or were you like, let's do have one more? No, we did decide. um, I think that we were just like, wow, we love these guys. Like the early years were really hard for me and I was really struggling. And then I had this time where we started homeschooling and we moved to the North Shore and we were like, we love our boys. And my husband was done with residency and had a job, you know. And then we're like, well, maybe we should have one more and maybe it'll be a girl. We've had this nice break. (laughs) Certainly things have changed, however that all works. I bet it's a girl. And literally, Uh I think a week later, like, it, it, it did not take any time. We tried and got pregnant and got the most boy boy we've ever had. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you, you know, we mentioned the boundaries and and all that. But that being said, you have a really good relationship with your boys mm, and the best. Um, I wonder. So you wouldn't call it friendship, but what would you call it? No, yes. Now that they're adults. <clears throat> yes, it's the big definitely ones. a friendship now. Like okay. best friends, all of us. And I don't have a problem with people being friends with their my 13-year-old, he's my buddy, but he's first oh. and foremost my son and my role yeah. in his life is parent first. And the friendship yeah. comes. That's the reward. It's it things get messed up when you switch the order and you try to be friends first. So I say mm-hmm. friendship we earn. And we earn it by being a really good parent. And Mm. so, you know, we'd certainly go through seasons. You can call them different things. But I say, you know, from being mommy to more of a coach and then a mentor. Mm. And now it's friendship. Mm. So my 23-year-old, friendship. 21-year-old, I'd say I'm still doing some coaching with him. He's a college student. There's a few areas that I'm like, "Mm, you need to listen. Um, 19-year-old, we're right in there between mentor and coach. And um, so, yeah, I think the relationship changes. Do you have a good relationship with your parents? Yes, I do. I really do. Okay. Different. I mean, I was raised differently from how I'm raising my sons, but we have a really good relationship. Yes. Now, would you consider it like a friendship like you have with your boys? Oh, what a question. Yes. But I also think generationally things were a little bit different. Yeah. So yeah, it has a different vibe. Um, yes. Interesting. No one's ever asked me that. Well, I'm just thinking about it myself, like as I'm thinking through all this too. And I I remember people in our generation who, like people my age that I went to high school with, now I see them and they're like, oh, my mom's my best friend and all that. Mm -hmm. And my mom is wonderful and I love her and she's so supportive. She is not my best friend. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I am not her, I'm not her best friend, you know? (laughs) And I do think it's generational, but I... But there are people my age that do have that. that. And so that's interesting. Yeah. I'm just curious because I want that. Like I want to be that family as my kids get older. Like I want them coming home for it to feel like that. Right. Um, Well, I think, and I don't want to jump to the next topic, but some of ours too, I think is, is because of the faith that we share Um, because we've raised, you know, my husband and I are Christians and, our boys have grown up and chosen to also follow God and to, you know, independently have a relationship with God. And I feel like our bond there is probably a big part of our friendship because I just so respect my older boys and choices they make. And I feel like I learn a lot from them in that way. So I feel like that's kind of a big part of our friendship, if that makes sense. Let's talk about that, like cultivating that so that, okay, you raise them a certain way but then every 
kid gets to an age where they start making their own decisions yeah. on what Scary. they believe mm-hmm. and how they want to live. Yeah. Talk me through that a little bit. Yes. Uh, well, I think that a lot of parents do ask like, oh, I, I think maybe they feel like it would bring them security to think their kids are going to grow up to love God or have this relationship with God. And they're like, how do you do that? And with all these things we're talking about, there are no shortcuts or hacks. What I say is my husband and I both genuinely love God. And I really developed my relationship with God as an adult. So my, I grew up in a home. My parents went to church a little bit. There was a little bit of spiritual foundation, but really my relationship with God was something I developed as an adult. And my life changed pretty radically. Like it was a definite um, 180 from the direction I was going once I realized and decided that I wanted to follow Jesus. So my husband grew up in a Christian home, so his background is different. But what I believe we've done is just walked out a really honest, authentic faith. And so when my boys see me, I'm not thinking, oh, how can I teach them? I'm literally, they're seeing a mom who is so grateful for what God's done in her life. And I really want to read the Bible and I really want to go to church. This is like who I am. And so kind of like with exercise, like they've seen me get Mm. up, put on my tennis shoes and say, I want to go running because I know how great it feels to be healthy and fit. And in the same way, I'm reading my Bible because this is how I grow my relationship with God. And this is the most important thing to me. So I feel like they've grown up with just an authentic, never perfect. Oh my goodness. I mean, my husband and I make plenty of mistakes, but then I come to them and I'm like, buddy, I blew it. I'm so sorry. Can we pray together? Like, so there's just a really authentic relationship going on there. And in the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy, Moses um, was commanded by God to teach people how to follow God. And in it, he says, you need to teach them them these things as they get up, as they walk along the street, as they lie down. And so what he was suggesting was, it's not going to church on Sundays. It's not doing family devotions. It's what do you do all day long? And so that's mm-hmm. kind of been my heart for my kids is, listen, this is what we do. We pray when there's something wrong. We thank God when something's right. We read the Bible. We turn to God. And so by doing that just consistently over time, I think my boys just grew up seeing that as normal and healthy. And it's like if if you're living a life that is um, that is attractive to your kids, they're going to want to follow that. So it's like my question I ask in Raising Amazing mm across the board. Is your marriage one that your kids look at and go, oh, I want that one day? Is your relationship mm-hmm. with whatever, food, alcohol, exercise, are you modeling the kind of life you want, you hope in your best dreams for your kids to live? Are you modeling mm-hmm. that? And that's hard. None of us <laughs> will get that perfect, but that's always my goal. And so spiritually speaking, I think that my boys just saw that, wow, this faith thing it's working. My parents are happy. Uh, They know where to turn when things are hard. And so they chose on their own to explore that. Now, by the time they were teenagers, and I'm sorry, I'm giving a long answer, but that's the background. No, I love it. By the time they were teenagers, they were then plugged into a youth group and they had leaders who they respected and role models. And it wasn't just mom and dad anymore. And then they were around these people who had amazing lives, who maybe had really rough backgrounds, but were now fulfilled and happy and making good choices. And then that just led to them wanting to dig in deeper and be like, what is this spirit? And my boys are smart. They're not going to be just like accepting something without, you know, blind faith. They dig in, they study and they ask hard questions. And thus far, they've all said, we want to be students of the Bible. We want to know Jesus. We want to follow him because we believe this is truth. So that's where they're at. No guarantees for the future. I always say parenting, you know, we can only do what we can do. The rest is between our kids and God. But so far, it's it's gone really well. So there's my long answer. <laughs> I love your long answer. I... Uh-huh. I also love that very simple question of, am I living a life that like I would want my kids to, Mm -hmm. it's good for you and for them. hundred percent. That's what I always say. (laughs) I'm glad you said that. Like you want them to live their best life when they grow up and you want to model that, but like also like, don't you want to live your best life? Exactly. It's just accountability. Yeah. It is. Because I think we can easily get along, go on in life, even knowing that some area of our life is not Mm -hmm. ideal. We're just like, whatever, I'll get to that later. 
Like I'm. That's a really good point. I'm unhealthy. I'm out of shape. I'm, my finances are. I'm, I'll, I'll get to it. But like, if you have that built-in accountability, you're more likely to go. I'm gonna do something. And honestly, my husband and I are terrible with money. Like neither of us have that gift. <laughs> but more recently, we've like, you know what? I wish we, I did. <laughs> so we hired somebody to give us like to oh, help nice. us figure out how just like to advice budget. Seriously, we've never an advice, a financial budget. advisor. Yes. And I'm so happy because my boys are seeing us do something mm. about an area of our life that we're not great at. And by oh. the time they're 23 and 21, they knew we weren't. They're like, good it's job, not, mom. It's not too late. I know. It's about time you did that. Like they're all budgeting away on their own and watching us. Yeah. So it's good. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm the same way. And I feel like we just, we live so within our means uh-huh. that like I don't, overthink anything uh-huh. because I'm I'm not like doing all these big spends or anything like that but right. I just I'm very careless I don't think overthink uh-huh. things which in a way is a gift but yes. a little guidance would I be said. nice <laughs> yes yes a quick break here to thank Gooder for supporting this podcast Gooder is the best place to get sunglasses I'm telling you they are fashionable functional and they don't break easily that is important They have really cute styles, really funky styles, but they also have really classic styles as well. And so they have something for every mood or occasion. And when you go to gooder.com slash another, you can save 15% off your order. Just use the code another15 for 15% off. Thank you, Gooder, for supporting the Sandy Boy Productions Podcast Network. And friends, back to the show. Okay, so... Once you became a Christian, have you mm-hmm. ever had bouts of like, uh-oh, is this really it? Like I mentioned before yeah. we recorded, I I've, I struggle. Yeah, yeah. And I think my husband would say, struggling's good. He's like, you know, truth will stand. Ask the questions. Don't, you know, don't. There are other religions where doubting is a sin and you're not allowed. Mm. And we're like, no, actually, um, we're supposed to ask hard questions. I first became a Christian, if we want to use those words, in like junior high. So I think I went through all okay. of those doubts and questions between age 13 and 25 and mm. made a lot of choices that I thought would make me happy and pursued a lot of things that I thought might fill me up. And when I hit the place where I went, okay, none of this has worked and things aren't going so well, that's when I kind of circled back and went, wait, remember that? choice you made at 13. And so um, I've not turned back since. So I'm really grateful God's been faithful. I'm always trying to like read books to like affirm what I want to believe. And, you know, my sister and friends are always like, Lindsay, you're not going to find your answer in a book. And, you know, my sister will always be like, you need to go back to the Bible. And Mm -hmm. that's where you need to find your answers. But I still like, I want to read something from somebody that is like so profound that I'm like, Okay. And I mean, I've read the C.S. Lewis. I've read, uh-huh. I mean, my sister's given me a ton of books, but if you have any suggestions, let me know. Well, <laughs> I, I have one suggestion that I think anyone would enjoy. And whether you're, you know, exploring faith or you've been walking with God for years, my friend Wendy Speak, um, she actually has a couple of great books. She has a book she wrote with Amber Leah called Triggers, and it's about anger in parenting. So if you struggle, okay. like 99.9% of us at some point, um, with anger in parenting, Triggers is a great book. That's like, it's so like okay. crazy. Um, but her newest book, okay, so then she ended up writing a book called The 40-Day Sugar Fast, which was kind of a devotional, okay. but encouraging women to take a 40-day break from sugar and really turn to God rather than sugar. So that was good. But her most recent book is called The 40-Day Feast. And The 40-Day okay. Feast is kind of the idea is um, she did the 40-Day Sugar Fast. She also did the 40-Day Social Media Fast. And at the end of the fast, now she's saying, after pointing people to God and God's word during the fast, she's like, let's feast now on God's word. But I think she does an excellent job in this 40-day feast, really walking people through why you need God's word. What is God's word? How does it, like literally you can be an absolute beginner and you're going to get so much out of this. And it's a daily, it's a 40-day devotional, but you can read it however you like. I think that that book is great for someone like you. I'm going through it with a couple friends. And um, so The 40-Day Feast by Wendy Speak is 
excellent and should maybe whet your appetite. I think it it helps you understand like Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And for me to understand how often I, if I get up and I don't eat, I'm going to find a Starbucks drive-thru. I'm going to find food eventually in my day. But we forget uh, you know, for those who consider themselves to be Christians, we need God's word like we're created for it. So I believe that I'm spiritually starving myself if I'm not reading the Bible and praying. So I think that book might be a good jump start to help Okay. You. Yeah. And I love, I'm here. I love to talk to people. If you or anyone else, like that's my heart. So if somebody reaches out, I'm here for you. I'd love to encourage okay. you and chat. I'm like, I kind of wish I lived in Hawaii and I could well, just come nestle you know, on your couch with some coffee and you we've could- We've got two like, acres. You could, got a tent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know, like, and may, let me know if you have this in your life. Like, I feel like, okay, I've been talking about making friends a lot on this podcast, but um, it was hard in those like little, little kid years because mm. you're so, you know, drowning. And I feel yeah. like I've gotten to a point where I've been, it's, it's a real, I'm in a really good place with making friends, even though I've only been here for two years. But I still kind of crave that friendship oh, yeah. of someone who's mm -hmm. 10, 15 years older than me mm -hmm. and just can kind of like, Absolutely. without, I mean, this is kind of a metaphor, but like rub my back and just be, <laughs> we all need not it. be my mom, but be right. my mentor. No, I have, I have someone who I call my spiritual mom that, you know, a group of us back in Oregon days actually kind of grabbed onto a woman who was that, you know, about 10, 15 years older. And we were just like, we need you. And we still have. So I encourage you to pray for that in your local community. Mm -hmm. There are women out there who would love to connect with you and encourage you. That's the thing is, I think people need to know that they just have to ask. And there's so many out there who would love to come alongside and encourage you. So it's best to be in person, but I love to mentor women Agree. across the miles too. Yeah. So. I'm here. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, you know, I've talked to so many parenting experts or whatever you want to call them, parenting yeah. people who are wonderful on this podcast. But I always say like, you know, everybody's family is a little bit different and it is super helpful to talk to someone who has the same number of kids as you <laughs> and the same, like they're all boys yeah. just because there's this dynamic that an expert or someone with two kids might not understand because they haven't lived that experience. And yeah. it's not to like belittle mm -hmm. their experience. It's just different. Yes. Yes. That's definitely true. And even for me as a boy mom, I can encourage moms of girls, but I haven't walked in those shoes. So it is different. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Can we talk really quick about girls? Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> Like boys, boys bringing girlfriends home and like yeah. talking to our boys about relationships and things like that. Well, this is kind of funny because again, we raise our boys in the country. We live on a gated property up in the country and we homeschooled. So mm. I think that set us up in a different way than most people. My boys didn't date at all in high school. They didn't want it. We didn't have a mm. rule against it. They just didn't. I think their minds were all like surfing and spearfishing yep. and diving and college prep. And they just didn't even, it didn't cross their mind, which is so funny to me looking back because like boys were such a big part of my high school experience and you know. Yeah, same. <laughs> and then they went away to college and they're like really excited about the idea of dating. Aww. But um, they also have really high standards. <laughs> Oh, it's going to be hard. This My second son, as we're talking, does have a girlfriend. So that's kind of okay. fun and exciting. But really, so far, my boys have just kind of been laser focused on their goals and on their faith and on the things they love to do. And I kind of get the feeling they're the type that once they meet the right person, they'll figure it out and probably get married pretty quick. <laughs> mm. But so, yeah, you have a really good point because you did homeschool. And so they're just not they were just not in this environment like even my yeah. kids I mean my kids are in public school so like even now yeah. it's just like the game changer yeah. certainly none of them have girlfriends but like it's just they're all immersed oh, yeah. in that environment yes. and, and if, culture. if we had a daughter even and my boys just didn't have like the girls coming and going now they were super involved in a youth group that was like their main social mm. life but the youth group yeah. was small enough that the kids became like brothers and sisters and I'm sure if the right person mm -hmm. came along 
it could have happened. But it just, that wasn't right. the way it played out for them. Lastly, before we mm-hmm. kind of wrap up here, let's talk about character a little bit. And I know mm-hmm. that's super woven into the faith portion of the conversation yeah. and everything. But when we talk about character, mm-hmm. what are the things we want to communicate? Yeah. Um, so I think that when we hear the word character, we all have a different picture probably in our mind. Um, and sometimes for me, when my kids were young, I kind I had some older women that would be like, oh, just focus on their character, focus on their character. Mm. And I was like, what does that even mean? Like, you know, they're, <laughs> like I don't help me make that more practical. So that's what I try to do is make it practical. Because I think in our world today, when you look around at the main themes, there's just a real selfishness, you know, the selfie society, there's the, it's all about getting your to your goals at all costs. Mm. And I think that if you go back a hundred years, our society was so, I mean, the qualities that were valued were, you know, integrity, honesty, serving others, serving your country. Like we've lost a lot of that. And these are beautiful qualities that are things that we're drawn to in people. If you think about the people who have really made an impression on you, they're probably not the people that necessarily have a gazillion followers or are, mm. but they're the people that care, that listen, that give you eye contact, that that are thoughtful, that are always honest. You know you can count on them. So from the time my boys were young, I really started to focus on character. And a lot of it when they were young was just simple things like manners, like teaching them to say Mm. please and thank you. We all do that, right? But then to realize like it's more than just what comes out of their mouth. How about the heart? And this is what I'm working on currently with the one in the next room here is like, okay, you can say the right thing, but where's the heart? Like do you actually? Yeah. And you can't change someone's heart. That's That's the faith element. So, you know, we've already covered that. So you're working on, in my home, faith on one hand and then how does that play out on the other hand but really I think a lot of character is just again showing them how important it is and there comes a day where mom and dad aren't enough and so you want to bring in other role models and people and help them say that guy that just helped us at the grocery store or that person who you watched in a movie like you know what that was that they just that was character and so Mm -hmm. you start to spot it and recognize it and discover it in stories and in movies and in real life and the hope is that you're going to give your kids a desire to want to be men and women of character and to realize not only is it good for others, but in the long run, it's good for you too. In the long run, you're going to do better in life if you are honest, have integrity, all the things. It does pay off, just not always in the short term. So it's creating it's making character a thing. Like you got to talk about mm, it. You got to talk about if, it. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't point it out, it's easy to raise kids who don't even have an awareness. So um, that's what my character training course does is I, I literally mm. give this list of resources and I'm like TED Talks, YouTube channels, um, books, uh, blogs, podcasts. If you get your kid exposed to people who are really all about character, you can hope that it will inspire them to want to have character too. So these are resources that you recommend the kids actually watch, not just the parent? Yeah. So the character training course itself is for parents. And then, um, Mm -hmm. and it walks through, you know, a number of modules, which are all really short, but each one might have some downloads. So like, you know, I, I talked to someone like Carrie Kampakis, who's a girl mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. we talk about friendship with girls because I know that's a big issue. And so, you know, there might be a printable download related to, uh, related to friendship issues or decision making, um, all these different things that come up, especially in the tween and teen years. Um, But at the end, the goal everyone wants is this resource list. And it's where I've just compiled a really great list of things. You hand it to your kid. And for us, how this whole thing was born was one of my sons was 13 and he was showing some really yucky character. I mean, we had done everything right in the early years, but I was like, dude, you are selfish. You are critical. You are not fun to be around. Fortunately, he wasn't like rebelling or going off the deep end, but I was like, you're just, it's no fun to be around you. So every day I had him spend 30 minutes doing one of these things. You can choose. You want to watch a TED talk? You want to watch a YouTube video? Mm. You want to read a chapter of a book? And then I gave him a journal and I said, write down every day what you read or did, the date, and one nugget. Give me one thing you got from it. 
And initially he was like, well, I say in my book, initially he was like, are the brothers doing it, right? Because, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, but this is your issue, and I don't parent that way. This is, you know, I parent uh-huh. individually. And then after a few weeks, his journal would have pages. Like, he Aww. started to get inspired, and then he'd have hanging up over his desk a quote from somebody or a Bible verse, and then he would walk out in the house, and, you know, we're all waiting, kind of walking on eggshells. What's he going to say today? And you could tell he was thinking, like, Oh, maybe think before I speak. So that radically changed that son's life. And that's why I wanted to share with people because I'm like, you really can inspire them by using other people um, and other role models in their life. That really takes some pressure off you as well. Yes. Yeah. Like you don't have to do it all. Like, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, I I love that idea so much. I can imagine the one son I thinking I would like to do that with just Uh flat out refusing to do it. Yeah. And then me saying, well, you're going to hang out in your room here until you do. And like, I don't know. The other question I have for you with that is how do you talk about it and make sure it's like front and center, but also not over talk it. Like I oftentimes find myself like wanting to bring these things up in Uh moments that are perfectly fine when it's like, okay, they don't need me to tell them to do one more thing. Oh, yeah. But also That's it's an opportune moment because everybody's actually happy. Uh-huh. You yeah. know? Yeah. I think there's just such a fine balance there. You just have to know when to oh. just stop and walk away. But yeah, I think that that initially the, this little training exercise, character training, I call it, is challenging and they will give you some resistance, but then they start to realize that these are really fun things. Like they're watching yeah. great inspiring and that son went on I mean he still loves podcasts he reads books it it just it really gave him an appreciation for um all things character and and wisdom and all of that so not everyone's gonna have the same response but so far what I'm hearing from people all over the world is it, it really does change the family dynamics and the kids character and appreciation for character well we will link that in the show notes um lastly here you're one of your sons is a professional surfer. <laughs> yeah, he is. I mean, that is so, so fun. Do they it all surf really though? They all surf. Yes, they all surf. My youngest is pursuing. He's like wants to be a professional golfer. I think he looked at like, okay, the income potential of a surfer compared to a golfer. And he's like, I think I'll just <laughs> golf. Also, there's no sharks. <laughs> um, but my totally. 19 year old is he's worked really, really hard. I mean, since he was young. And so it's super fun and rewarding as a mom to see him. Oh, um, so fun. Yeah. You know, making a living, doing what he loves, traveling the world. And um, and he's also got incredible character. And that's my favorite thing is, you know, he does interviews mm. and things. And then people will message us and be like, oh, my goodness. You know, I've never had a young man communicate so well and well done. And what did you do? Like, what a great kid. So that blesses me because he travels. He spends time with pros and coaches and media all over the world. And it's just the character thing is is my very, well, faith and character um, that he has are just the best. So yeah, it's really, really special to get to follow him and see him live his dream. I mean, honestly, too, like in a, in a, being a professional athlete, like you just, that's probably extra, extra important. Um, I just, you know, yeah, definitely. It's a crazy world out there. And the surf industry, oh my goodness, the surf industry is nuts. It's like, he is not normal in that industry, but people respect him and he has a great relationship. He's so, such a fun kid. And so he really gets along with everyone, which is so great because yeah, the surf world's nuts, but, um, but he's having fun with it. So, oh, I love it. Um, all right. Well, what, what is one thing professionally or personally that you would like to do that you have not done yet? Oh goodness. I just was remembering that you were going to ask me that. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't know. Somebody just the other day asked me if I ever want to do a Ted talk. And I said, mm. I've never really thought about it, but I think I would like to. So because it's been on my mind, I'll just say maybe someday I'd do a Ted talk. Maybe. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's just such a like exact way they make yeah. you speak. And right? I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about yeah. like, not doing it 
standing just the right way. And <laughs> yeah, because there is. There's that same kind of brand across the board, and I don't know what it is. I'd the have cadence. to read their guidelines. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would take um, a lot of work for me. <laughs> but it's they're nice and tidy, though. So if you really master your talk, like 12 minutes or something. Yes. So fun. Um, what is the best, most recent book you've read? Oh, man, this is so hard. Probably like you. I don't know. But I receive books a lot. Uh-huh. Um, I'm having fun reading Unoffendable. I'm holding it up. Oh, um, oh I Hansen. love that title alone. Yeah. So I think he wrote it years ago and then they just did a revised edition. It's how just one change can make all of life better. And I do love, I think that we're all so easily offended. And my 13-year-old is like, mom, I'm offended. It's like a joke <laughs> now because it's like, but Brant Hansen, he's so funny. Like we follow him on Instagram and he's just, he's a radio show host, I believe. Has okay. a podcast maybe. But um, I think he's hilarious. He also wrote a book that I read last year called um, The Men We Need. So um, you would probably enjoy Ooh, that. And, yeah. uh, but he's just kind of a funny guy and writes okay. in such a humble, like funny style, but also has a really important message. So I'll go with that. Wow. Okay. I've never heard of him. I'm, mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, do you have a place that you recommend visiting or a, a vacation spot that you've done, taken with your kids? I mean, you like live in the vacation spot. I know. But- <laughs> And we, because of that, we really haven't taken many family vacations. It seems like every time we finally save up to travel, it's to visit our own family. But we had a really memorable time. A year ago, January, we surprised our boys with a snow trip. And we flew out on Christmas Day and we went to Bend, Oregon, Sun River, Uh and um, did a snowboarding trip and it was just one of those magical times that like I actually, because my 19 year old especially is like, mom, I love surprises. You've never surprised us. So I was like, shoot, Uh. while they're still coming home from college and all the things, this is the time. And so Uh we really did surprise the younger two. The older two kind of had to be in on it because of their travel to college and all that. But um, Uh it was so magical just staying, I mean, for us to be in the snow and snowboard and stay in a little cabin and oh, magical so loved it so since they're all surfers does snowboarding come like second nature to them oh my goodness my 19 year old was doing like backflips off ramps on day uh-huh. two like uh-huh yeah it's, they say it's very similar I still ski I'm the, the only balance. skier in the family because okay. I grew up skiing yeah. and I'm like I don't want to break my head so I don't snowboard yeah <laughs> yeah I was gonna say it's it probably feels really easy to them. Yeah. Like, cause surfing does. is so much more technical probably. Yes. It feel, they just love it. They could, I mean, snowboarding is one of their very, very favorite things to do. Oh, fun. Yeah. Okay. What's your last message to leave with our audience? Man, so hard. <laughs> I know. My last message would be, I just love to remind parents in the thick of it that there's so much grace that none of us are going to get it perfect on our best day. And so, but with that in mind, don't quit trying. Like Mm -hmm. you play such an important role in your kids' lives. No one else can replace you. And so on your worst day when you're discouraged, rather than throwing your hands up in the air and thinking, you know what, oh well, um, get up and keep trying. Your kids love you. Even when they act like they don't, they need you. And your relationship will be for a lifetime. So keep working on the relationship first. And yeah, and I just would love to encourage people if anyone wants to talk more about anything we've talked about, I'd just love to stay connected. And we'll put links to your, it's Mm -hmm. Monica Swanson though. If they look you up on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if they search Monica Swanson, they'll find you. Um, Cool. Well, thank you, Monica. Oh, what a joy. It's been so much fun talking to you. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Monica, for coming on the podcast. Y'all go check out her books. You can also find her on Instagram. She's Monica Swanson underscore. Again, her books are Boy Mom and Raising Amazing. You can find me personally on Instagram. I'm Lindsay Hine 626 On Twitter, I'm at Lindsay Hine. 
Uh, send me an email if you want to connect, lindsay at sandywayproductions.com. If you have any suggestions for guests you'd love to hear on the show, I'd love to hear them. And uh, we also have an Instagram page for this podcast called Why Is Everyone Yelling? Uh, most recently, I've been sharing some of my um, book recommendations over there. Uh, so go check it out. Thanks so much for being here. Have a great rest of your day and we'll see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?